starting. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm Mark Weibel, and uh, been in this class for quite a while. My wife and I have. Uh, Bill and Mary Ann Thomas have been leading it. Uh, in fact, when we started, it was the newlywed class. <laughs> Honest truth. Is that I'll let you know how long. Yeah. Yeah, we looked a lot different back then, so. Yeah. Anyway, all right, it's my privilege to uh, bring the word today. We're in John chapter 3, but in, in way of review, uh, in John chapter 1 and 2, um, John has denied being the Christ. Jesus has called his disciples. Jesus has performed miracles, turning the water into wine. And if you ever study that, I, I, sometimes, I, I mean, not sometimes, because of my duties uh, on staff, I always slip in late and leave early. I, I just want everybody to know that. My wife and I do that because of our, our assignments. We slip in late here and we leave early. It's not because we're, you know, tardy Baptist and then get mad at the teacher or anything and leave. It's just we have different responsibilities. So I don't know if this was covered or not, but do you ever, you know, on the turning the water into wine, do you know how many gallons? Yeah, 120. Yeah, 120 to 180 yeah. gallons, a th over 1,000 bottles of wine. Must have been some party. Anyway, um, <laughs> Uh, Jesus has cleansed the temple. Uh, Jesus had said, tear down this temple and it will be rebuilt in three days. So here's the thing. As we move into John chapter 3, um, news of Jesus is, is spreading. Uh, who is this? Who is this person that is doing all these things? And, and as uh, this is days before social media, so it was just tell people and his, his fame was growing and it leads us into today's lesson of John chapter 3. Uh, his, his fame was growing, but also there was great controversy surrounding him. So we look at John chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. A couple of things about Nicodemus that we need to know. We, I think we probably all know the name of Nicodemus, but do you realize he's only mentioned three times in the Bible? He's mentioned here in John chapter 3, questioning Jesus, checking him out. I'm here to, to look and see. I want to see you, meet you face to face. I want to talk to you a little bit. We see in John chapter 7, in verse 50 and following, we see Nicodemus defending Jesus, going, ho, 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 hold on, guys, wait a minute. And he's defending Jesus. So he first questions him, then he defends him. And then in John chapter 19, Nicodemus is one of the ones who shows up to bury Jesus. And so he has made the transition from being questioning to defending to being a believer. And, and to me, that's one of the things that I desire to be a part of in the life of people is taking people from being questioning, who is this Jesus, to, you know what, maybe we really better listen to this, to I, I'm ready to enter into death and life with him. So there is this man named Nicodemus, and he was a ruler of the Jews. So the second thing that we need to know about Nicodemus being a, a ruler of the Jews means he was a member of the Sanhedrin. And the Sanhedrin is a fancy founding word, sounding word, but think of the, the term Supreme Court. It was like a Supreme Court justice for the Jewish people as, as it was the highest court for civil and religious cases. And in all cases over all persons, the, the decrees of the Sanhedrin were binding not only to the Jews in, in Jerusalem and in, 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 Israel, in Israel and Palestine, but wherever they were scattered, the words of the Sanhedrin were binding. 
So, so Nicodemus is a pretty big deal. He, he's educated, he's knowledgeable, and he's powerful. And he's, he's, he's this all things guru to the religious people. And it was this man who came to Jesus. So John chapter three, verse two says this, this man came to Jesus by night and he said to Jesus, Rabbi, we know, hello, we know that you are a teacher come from God for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. First of all, you notice he, he doesn't see that Jesus is God. It says God is with him. We, we see what's going on. Now, who is this we that he talked about? Notice he didn't say, I see. He said, we see. We see that you are a teacher come from God. No one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. The, the we that he's talking about is the Pharisees and the people. You see, he's kind of there representing two groups, but specifically the Pharisees. But he's been hearing all these people coming to the Pharisees going, who is this guy? Who, who is this man, this Jesus? And he acknowledges that there is something from God on Jesus. What I want to do in this lesson today is I want to draw parallels to today. I read an article yesterday that the Gen Zers, now that, that may be you know, out of y'all's league, but that means the young people. The young people right now, 50% of Gen Zers have an interest in Jesus. 50%. They want to know about Jesus. They're not really interested in church. They're not really interested in set religion, but there is this growing understanding among the Gen Zers, the young people going, there's something about Jesus that we want to know about. That's why this is so germane to this passage to, to our society today. There is this growing interest or this growing uh, uh, idea of there's something, we know there's something about Jesus. And so uh, he, he writes and he says um, that we, we know that you are doing something and we cannot deny that it's from God. So Nicodemus is kind of starting to probe Jesus just a little bit. You see, he's there again, representing the, the Pharisees. He, <laughs> and I will say this, religious leaders are always on the lookout for people presenting challenges to their authority. They're always kind of going, ah, okay, this person is, is challenging our authority. In fact, if you were to look back at John chapter 1, verse 19, it says the Jews sent priests and Levites to ask John, who are you? Are you this one, the Messiah? And John denies and says, no, I'm not. But you see here in two chapters, John chapter one and John chapter three, we have two religious people coming and going, who are you? You see, anytime there is a move of God it challenges, that challenges the religious norms, there are going to be people going, what is this that's going on? Some of it is to protect authority and some of it is the genuine understanding, which is the case of Nicodemus. He really wanted to know who Jesus was. But why did he come at night? I mean, Jesus taught openly. Jesus entertained crowds, entertained conversation. He, had, he, was, he, he, wasn't in, he was not reclusive. He was out amongst the people. Why did he come to, at night? I think that it was, it's very, very important to understand that there, is great division, uh, surround, there was great division surrounding Jesus at that time. Liking it to today. I think there is very great division surrounding Jesus in our day, right now. 
So Nicodemus, it says he came at night. So why was there division? Well, John chapter 7 and John chapter 12, I know you're going to get there and I'm not going to steal the thunder of the teachers who are teaching John chapter 7 and John chapter 12, but I think there's two reasons, two accounts why there was division. In John chapter 7, verse 32, is such a fun passage, verse 32 to 51, uh, it says, the Pharisees heard the crowd muttering these things about Jesus. I love the way that puts it. They were muttering, the, rah, 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 Jesus, rah, rah. and chief priests and the Pharisees sent officers to arrest Jesus. They're going to go arrest him. Okay, we, we got to take care of this cat. You, you see, they wanted to take out any challenge to their power. So he sends these officers out to go and arrest Jesus. And they, they come up on him while he's teaching. And so they don't want to cause a ruckus. So they stand there listening. Huh. Man, this dude is saying some really good stuff. And he comes back to the Pharisees. And, and, uh, he, and they say, hey, what's the deal? Why didn't you bring him back with you? And after encountering Jesus, these unlearned soldiers came to the super spiritual Pharisees and answered the question, why didn't you arrest Jesus with, hey, this guy's not like you. He talks with power. Now, put yourself in a religious position, a religious person. That, that's a pretty hard thing to hear. I sent you to go do something, and you come back without doing it, and then you're going to dog me on top of it, going, hey, this guy's got some great, great things to say. In other words, you don't have anything to say. And with great sarcasm, in John chapter 7, verse 47, the, the Pharisees respond with, well, we're the smart ones, and you don't see us running after this guy. See, there was a division. That's the first sign of the division. That's the first account of the division. The other account of the division is John chapter 12, verse 42. And following it says, many of the authorities believed in Jesus, but for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. Now, when it comes to being totally sold out to Jesus, we cannot love the glory and approval of man more than the glory that comes from God. We, we cannot do that. And it's hard. It, it is hard when in, in situations where we're in situations, maybe in family, maybe in workplace, maybe in neighborhood, maybe in associations where we're trying to stand up for Jesus and there's some pushback. We cannot love the glory of man more than the glory that comes from God. We must be people. If we are going to reach this generation, if we are going to accomplish what God has given us to do, we must be people who desire the glory of God to be shown through us in every situation. So back to John chapter 3, uh, verse 2. Nicodemus says, We know that you're a teacher come from God. No one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And notice Nicodemus is not asking a question, right? He, he's, he's, it looks to me like he's trying to get Jesus into a debate. Okay? It looks like he's trying to, hey, we know that nobody can do this unless God's with him. Kind of give me some insight. And Jesus stops him dead in his tracks. And he sees right through it. And, and rather than getting into a debate, he just pops him with John chapter 3, verse 3. Jesus answered, truly, truly. Now, anytime you see the words repeated, truly, truly, it's a statement of heightened importance. This is a very important statement right here. It happens three times in John chapter 3. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. 
Nicodemus is saying, we see the things you're doing and that must be something. There must be something from God about you. you you're sent from God. We see the things we're doing, that you're doing. And Jesus looks and says, I'm gonna tell you something. If you're not born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Basically, Jesus was saying, look, you, you see the miracles that I'm doing? And, and in John chapter two, verse 23, it says, and Jesus performed many more miracles. He had performed the, the miracle of turning the water into wine. That was his first public miracle. But in John chapter two, verse 23, it goes on to say, and he performed many more signs and wonders, many more miracles that were happening. And so he says, you see the miracles that I'm doing and you want to know more of my source of power. You want to see more. What is one of the things that, uh, that, that was asked of Jesus when he was standing in trial was, hey, show us a sign. Show us something more. And there's always this desire to show more stuff. And these miracles, these things are all stuff. They're great introductions to the kingdom of God. But let me tell you something. It's not the kingdom of God. The stuff that happens, Jesus is basically saying, do you want to see stuff or do you want to see the kingdom? Which do you want? So many times when, when stuff happens, miraculous things happens, it draws great crowds because they want to see stuff. But they're not interested in investing in the kingdom things. They, they, they need to see the kingdom. Let me just tell you something. People are longing to see the kingdom of God. The world has lots of stuff, but we are responsible for showing them the kingdom and not stuff. You see, Jesus uses the miraculous to point people to the kingdom. Oftentimes, miraculous acts are used to draw attention to our ministry, to us, to me. Look what I can do. Look what's happening with me. That's not the purpose. I, I pray regularly for miraculous things to happen, healings and deliverances and restoration. I pray regularly for that, but it's not so that we can have a name. It's so that the kingdom of God can be seen among the peoples who are longing to see him. That's got to be our goal. You see, the good work that the Lord is doing at Highland, and I will just tell you, the Lord is doing a good work at Highland. There are, there are people who are being saved. There are people who are being discipled. I heard this statement. It made so much sense to me. It says, uh, Jesus, uh, God is, is responsible for the breadth. He's responsible for bringing people in. And we are responsible to, for the depth. We are responsible for seeing that they go deep in the Lord. That's what we are given to do. We are given to train people to do the work of ministry. That is what you guys that are involved in the senior adult, young adult ministry, that's what y'all are doing. Y'all are doing the work and that's what God is saying. I see that and I honor that. And it's about making sure that the kingdom of God is being advanced for his namesake and not for our namesake. And I will tell you, I've been around this church for a long time. And I've seen God do some miraculous things and where trouble comes in is where we start to try to take credit or we try to get puffed up and proud. And I will tell you, God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. So everything that God is doing right now in our midst as a church, it is all him and it is all for his glory and it is all for his kingdom. And we must maintain that attitude. And it's hard because the world wants to come and put, clap you on the back and go, man, y'all are doing great stuff. 
you know, Gary Rhodes was a wonderful, wonderful music minister here, and he received a lot of awards. And one of my favorite things about Gary, every time he would get uh, Gary Rhodes won the Dove Award and everything, Gary Rhodes, and see if y'all remember this, Gary Rhodes would put his hand on his heart and he would do like this. He would deflect the glory to the Lord. Okay? We've got to do that. Lord, protect our hearts. Give glory to the Lord. No matter what happens, no matter what God does and says in our midst, how he, how he works, we need to rejoice in the fact that he's working. But we need to say, Lord, protect our hearts and give glory to you and advance your kingdom. All right? So, John chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, unless you're born, one is born again, he cannot see. That, the word see there literally means have eyes to see and to perceive and experience the kingdom of God. Unless you're born again, you cannot see, perceive, or experience the kingdom of God. You see, Nicodemus is trying to reason his way to see the kingdom. And let me just tell you, reason doesn't always work with God. God does not work our, in, in our ways. So Jesus, Jesus speaks this to Nicodemus, and Nicodemus goes, whoa, wait a minute, I wasn't going that way, but okay, I'm going to ask you a question. Here it is. In, in John chapter 3, verse 4, Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter again into the second time into his mother's womb and be born again? I mean, I don't, it's like I don't understand what you're saying. Nicodemus is guilty of two-dimensional thinking. And this is one thing that as I prayed, I really said I want to challenge. I felt like the Lord said he wants to challenge us to get out of two-dimensional thinking and go into three-dimensional thinking. You see, he says, gotta be born again. How do I get into my mother's womb? And Jesus doesn't even, doesn't even go, you idiot, you dummy, what, what's the deal? He looks and he says, John chapter three, verse five, Jesus answered and said, truly, truly, second time, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Jesus takes Nicodemus from two-dimensional to three-dimensional thinking, thinking in the spirit realm. You see, there's a natural realm that we all naturally live and walk in. in. We, we live here, and it's all two-dimensional. But there is, a, there is a third dimension, the dimension of the Holy Spirit, that we must be born not only of the flesh, which is two-dimensional, but it's the Spirit, that third dimension. This is why so many pragmatists struggle trying to reason their way to God. I was speaking with one of our church members who had a relative that was going in for surgery. And the relative is brilliant, brilliant, brilliant man. Um, and uh, this, the, the church member, uh, the, the, the person going in for surgery does not believe in Jesus, been, been exposed to it, been in church, and just said, I cannot reason myself to God. And, and, and the, this, the, the one, the, the staff, I mean, the, not the staff, the, the church member sat with his grandfather and just said, You'll never be able to reason yourself to God. You cannot do that. But you see, that's the way of the world. The world wants to be pragmatic in their thinking, two-dimensional in their thinking. I'll believe what I can see. And, and, and you know, you, you've got to prove stuff to me. And, and Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, you'll never reason yourself into the kingdom. You've got to be born of the flesh and of the spirit. You see, what, what's happening is, is that if we, if we don't enter into this life in the Spirit, if, we don't, if we're not born of the flesh and the Spirit, being born of water literally means being born as the woman's water breaks and the child is born. Uh, I have a grandson that's going to be born uh, this coming Thursday. The water is going to break and that baby's going to come and little Cannon is going to be born. And he's going to be born of the flesh or born of water. 
That's a great day. But that's not the day we're praying for. We're praying for the day that he is born of the Spirit. You see, that, so we are already three-dimensional thinking. So Jesus is pointing out that we are not saved by being born of the flesh, which is a problem with the Jews because the Jews thought being born as a Jew, they were God's chosen people, therefore they were good to go. And Jesus is challenging that thinking with Nicodemus, and he's saying, no, no, you've got to not just be born of the flesh. It doesn't matter because we know that the, the salvation was coming to the Gentiles. We know that. That blew the Jews' minds. But now it's, you've not, it's not just because you are born of the water, of, of the flesh. You've got to be born of the Spirit. So you're, you're not a Christian because of your parents, your grandparents, your roommate, your whatever. I, I had a neighbor. <laughs> this is kind of funny. Uh, I had a neighbor. I, I went to witness to the neighbor, and I spoke with him, and I said, Are, are you a believer? Are you, you know, is Jesus, are you a Christian? And he goes, Yeah, I'm a Christian. I vote Republican. That is a direct quote. Okay, now, now I, I'm, I'm not. This is not about politics. I don't want to get into politics. But, but this man was saying, I, I'm counting on my get out of jail free card being this. I voted this way. L let me tell you, Jesus wants to challenge our thinking. We must be born of the Spirit if we want to enter into the kingdom of heaven. John 3, 6 says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Don't marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows, <laughs> he's really, he's really going to just take, it's like he, a, a cat playing with a, a little you know, ball and he just, I mean, you know, and you're, you're putting it out there and the cat's trying to hit it. He's going to really mess with Nicodemus's mind right here. Don't marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who's born of the Spirit. And Nicodemus says, how could this be? Mind blown. What are you talking about? You see, I'm a Pharisee. We obey rules. We write rules to obey, to interpret rules that we have to obey. Don't be talking about this fact that I got to be like the wind and I don't know where it's coming from and where it's going. That just, that blows my mind and that ruins my religious thinking. I'm the party of the Sanhedrin being introduced to an unpredictable way of thinking. It's just, it's beyond the pale. I, I, I can't do that. And the Lord says life in the spirit is unpredictable. Too often we desire predictability. Don't let this stage in life become predictable. Don't let this stage in life become predictable. Don't let where you are become predictable. God's ways are unpredictable, but they are always good. God's ways are unpredictable, but they're always good. John chapter 3, verse 10, Jesus answered and said, Are you a teacher of Israel and you don't understand these things? Truly, truly, third time, I say to you, we speak of what we know and we bear witness to what we've seen, but you don't receive our testimony. If I told you earthly things and you don't believe, how are you going to believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one ascended, from heaven, uh, ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. You see, Jesus right there is affirming his deity. And then notice he's speaking to Nicodemus. We go to the famous verse, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. We know that verse. Sometimes it helps to read it in a different translation. So I, I went to uh, the, the original language. 
the, the Greek, and I just clicked on it. And the word for literally means in this manner, or let me show you how much God loved the world. In this manner, God loved the world. He gave his only unique one-of-a-kind son that whoever, each, every, any, all, the whole, everyone who believes in and puts their place, places their faith and confidence in, if they believe in him, they will not perish. They will not be put to an end in ruin, but they will have eternal life. Now, I just, I just want to stop here. You look like a great crowd, great crew. But I just want to make sure. I pause right here. Don't let two-dimensional thinking say, well, I've been, you know, I've been a Christian. Grandpa was a Christian. Make sure that you personally have understood the call of Christ on your life to put your faith and trust in him. And if you have not done that, I encourage you to do that today. I encourage you to understand that Jesus is saying you must be born not only of water, not only of the flesh, but you've got to be born of the spirit. You've got to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Are we, are we inquisitive as Nicodemus was, or are we confident as Jesus calls us to be putting our full faith and trust in him? It goes on to say, and this is a really, these next verses are really something that are so germane to our society today. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in, the, in order that the world might be saved through him. You know, people outside of Christ see Jesus as a condemning God. Oh, Jesus is here just to condemn. And I, I mean, I, I experience that as I talk with people about Christ. Yeah, he's just interested in condemning everything. And this verse right here said, God didn't send his son to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. He came into the world to save people from their already condemned state. And so my encouragement here is, is as you encounter people, I chose that word very carefully, as you encounter people, not if you encounter people, but as you encounter people, if we are truly doing the work of God, the work of Christ, the call of God on our life, we will encounter people like Nicodemus who are interested, who have an inquiring mind. They want to know, but they've also probably had experience with a church experience or someone who has condemned them, and they have then equated that to who Jesus is, and they say, well, Jesus just wants to condemn. God is a condemning God. This verse right here is a great verse to tuck away. People will have heard of John 3.16, but many people will not have heard of John 3.17. For God did not come to send his son into the world to condemn the world, but through the world, through him the world might be saved. You see, we begin life condemned because we are born in sin. He came to free us from that condemnation. So as you dialogue with people who are outside of faith in Christ, take them to John 3.16, yes, but then carry them all the way through John 317 as well. God is not here to condemn you. He is here to set you free from the condemnation that's already on you. As believers, we must live and express that freedom from condemnation. Now, this doesn't mean we give people the license to sin, which is what so much of society is going on right now, is we've just said, well, we'll just, we're not going to condemn you, so just do whatever you want, and God will love you anyway. The truth is God will love you, but he will hold you accountable. God will love you in your sin. He loved me in my sin, but he didn't leave me in my sin. God loved me in my sin and did not validate my sin. He called me out of my sinful state. And we are to love people in their sin and call them out of their sin because eternal life matters. 
Eternity matters. It matters how we present Christ to people, not in a condemning way, but in a, a way that says, no, God wants to set you free from that which is holding you. But I feel comfortable the way I am. That's exactly right. The devil is going to try to make you comfortable all the way to hell. And God says, no, no, I have a higher call for you. John 3, 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Condemnation comes down to belief and non-belief. If you believe, you are not condemned. If you don't believe, you are condemned not because of who Jesus is, but because of your choice. That's it. John 3, 19 says, And this is the judgment that light is coming to the world, and the people love the darkness rather than the light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone who's, who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds be exposed. Whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that he, it may be clearly seen that his deeds have been carried out in God. We are to be lovers of light. The, you know, only in the absence of light does darkness prevail. If, if we were, if it was all, if all the lights out in the hallway were out and um, we opened the doors, would that light, would that darkness come in and overtake this light? Why not? Because light overcomes darkness. If we were to turn out the lights, what would happen? Darkness would come. Why? The absence of light. Why is there darkness in the world? Because darkness has come into the world and the light is not shining in those areas of darkness. What does Jesus call us? We are the light of the world. We are to be that light. And so we are to be people of the light. In the final section, John chapter 3 verses 22 to 36 covers an attitude. Uh, John it covers an attitude, and I'll just, uh, uh, I mean, this covers an attitude that I feel is so important today um, in, 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 in our lives. Um, it, it's Jesus and his disciples are baptizing, and John and his disciples are baptizing, and they're kind of like John's disciples are looking and going, dude, look at all these people going over to this man, Jesus. And they go to John, and they say, hey, John, dude, we're losing our crowds. They're, they're all going over to first church over here. They're not going to this church here. What, what's the deal? And John has a, a, an incredible confidence in God. And in John chapter 3, verse 30, John says these words, he must increase, but I must decrease. You know, as God does miraculous things wherever, I, I hope you are praying for revival. I hope you're praying for revival to happen at Highland. But let me ask you this. If Highland, if revival was to happen at, at First Waco or First Methodist or First Presbyterian or Second Presbyterian or Last Lutheran or whatever, <laughs> if revival were to happen there, would we rejoice? Amen. We want revival. Why? Because we are people of the light and we want people to come to the light so that they can believe in Jesus Christ. He must increase and we must decrease. If God is doing it here, yes, we must continue to be the light. We must embrace that. We must move forward. We must continue to rejoice and stay humble and give glory to God and let his kingdom come and his will be done. 
And if he chooses somewhere else to do it, that's great. If he chooses to do it here and somewhere else, even all the better, because it's all about one kingdom, his glory, his power, and him throughout all eternity. Let us be, verse 36, John says, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, and whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath remains on him. That's what we're in this thing for. It all comes down to there are people that are believing and there are people that are non-believing. There is heaven, there is hell. We get to play a part in seeing people being introduced to the kingdom of God so that when they start out as Nicodemus, questioning in John chapter 3, defending in John chapter 7, and believing in John chapter, 19, uh, chapter 12, 19, excuse me, John chapter 19, that we can see them through that transition for God's sake and His glory. That's it. Thank you.